Hello everybody and welcome to the fourth chapter of this Curious Cat tour on the Arc de Triomphe. I'm your host Will Clark, and in this chapter we'll be exploring the arch itself. Specifically, we'll be focusing on the eastern statues abutting the Arc de Triomphe, and then using the subsequent chapters to work our way around and then finally underneath this most impressive monument. A reminder that unlike the first three chapters of this tour, the following chapters are most definitely best enjoyed while visiting the arch itself. Furthermore, if some of the future chapters aren't as appealing to you, you can always skip ahead if you like. Finally, don't forget that your podcast player may allow you to speed up the tour by listening at a slightly faster speed. Thank you for listening to Curious Cat, and remember to check out all of our tours on CuriousCatTours.com. If you enjoy this tour, please leave a review. It would absolutely make my day. We're going to start our tour on the eastern face of the arch and work our way around the outside of the monument in a clockwise direction. To make your life easier, I've placed a map in the show notes to make everything a little clearer. Now, before we begin, let's make sure that we are all at the correct starting position. For those of you that know how to navigate Google Maps, feel free to just open it up and position yourself on the eastern side of the Arc de Triomphe. That's the side neighbouring the start of the Champs-Élysées. If you're standing on the eastern side, you should be standing between the arch and the centre of Paris. For those that don't have Google Maps handy, here is the easiest way to determine if you're on the correct side. Both the western and eastern sides of the arch have two very large statues. But only the western side has statues which prominently display animals. On the western facade, the statue on the right contains a very large horse, and the statue on the left has a slightly hidden but still quite prominent bull. If you see these animals, you are not on the correct starting side. Please walk through the arch to the eastern facade. When you get to the eastern facade, the statue on the left contains a female figure placing a crown on Napoleon. This is the correct side. If worse comes to worse, ask someone where the Champs-Élysées is, as it's the most famous avenue in Paris, and that avenue meets the monument at its eastern face. So, with that navigation out of the way, let's get into it. Having already mentioned Napoleon, let's start with him. The statue on the left side of the eastern face is generally titled the Triumph of 1810. Despite initial impressions, this statue does not represent Napoleon's coronation. Instead, it celebrates his victories which resulted in the Treaty of Schönbrunn in late 1809. This treaty ended the War of the Fifth Coalition, and it imposed harsh terms on the defeated Austrians. If you take the time to examine the statue, you'll see Napoleon being crowned by a female figure to the right. This figure represents the goddess of victory, reinforcing Napoleon's mighty conquests in recent years. In fact, this gesture is a reference to the act of triumphs in ancient Rome, where victorious generals would parade throughout the city in an elaborate celebration. Victorious Roman generals would also be presented with a laurel wreath, 
So the symbolism here is a very direct connection to the heroes of the ancient world. On the opposite side of Napoleon, a figure representing the muse of history inscribes a tablet. Supposedly, she is recording the achievements of Napoleon's reign, which are no doubt numerous. Presumably, this includes the Treaty of Schönbrunn, which this statue commemorates. Interestingly enough, it was after this war that a reconciliation occurred between France and Austria, resulting in Napoleon marrying the Austrian princess Marie-Louise. You may remember that it was Marie-Louise's arrival in Paris that prompted Napoleon to construct a giant wooden model of the Arc de Triomphe. Furthermore, it was this wooden model which helped to renew Napoleon's commitment to actually seeing the monument completed. There are two other figures in this statue that I want to point out. There is a crowned figure kneeling on the left side of Napoleon, immediately below the Muse of History. If you get up close, you'll notice that the crown she's wearing actually resembles a city's walls. Indeed, this figure represents a conquered city. Napoleon's hand over her head implies that although he is a conqueror, he will also justly protect those he has defeated. Finally, behind Napoleon is a winged woman flying above the triumphant emperor. Blasting a trumpet and holding a battle standard, this figure represents fame. Sharp-eyed observers may notice that there is a palm tree protruding from behind her, representing Napoleon's famous Egyptian campaign. That campaign is also the centre point of the battle relief found above this statue, but we'll come back to that later. Interestingly, despite the representations of both fame and victory, despite the references to conquered cities and laurel wreaths, there is a certain amount of irony to this statue. 1810, in some ways, represents a high point for Napoleon's reign. His new marriage with Marie-Louise held promise of a new dynasty, a promise which was never fulfilled. Likewise, reconciliation with Austria provided neither peace nor stability for any length of time. In less than five years from the Treaty of Schönbrunn, Napoleon had not only lost his laurel wreath, but also his crown. We'll now examine the statue on the right side of the eastern face. Feel free to hit pause if you wish to reposition yourself before we continue. This statue is titled The Departure of 1792, and is sometimes also referred to as La Marseillaise. This is the only statue of the four surrounding the Arc de Triomphe, which represents events prior to the Napoleonic era. The French Revolutionary Wars broke out in 1792, and this statue commemorates France's first citizen army, which was formed as a result. In the summer of that year, France experienced foreign invasion, as both the Austrians and the Prussians marched on Paris. Their commander, the Duke of Brunswick, had threatened the city with obliteration, and there was no doubt that the enemy would completely reverse the revolutionary project. In a desperate effort to halt the advancing coalition, the revolutionaries frantically drafted everyday people into the army. These citizen soldiers were hastily assembled and sent immediately to the front lines. 
This statue represents the departure of the volunteers, the heroic everyday men who fought and died to save the juvenile republic. It was these volunteers who stopped the Prussian army in the much mythologized Battle of Valmy. Furthermore, it was these same individuals who conquered modern-day Belgium just months later, following the Battle of Jemap in November 1792. I say the name of both of those battles because we'll continue to see references to them, not only on the Arc de Triomphe, but also in the Pantheon at Versailles and really throughout the museums and monuments of Paris. If we start with the top of the statue, you cannot miss the winged warrior. This warrior represents the spirit of liberty and essentially embodies revolutionary France. Sounding the alarm with sword in hand, this central figure rallies the citizens of the nation. You may notice that the winged warrior is wearing a liberty cap, also known as a Phrygian cap, which was given to freed slaves in ancient Rome. This is a reference to the recent empowerment of the French people who had thrown off the shackles of monarchy. Incidentally, the symbol of the liberty cap was common in both the French and American revolutions. Because of this, you'll see references to liberty caps, often red liberty caps, in paintings and monuments from the time. Keep your eyes out for them as you wander around Paris, because although well hidden, they are everywhere. Below the spirit of liberty are the men she rallies for the war effort. With France facing invasion, soldiers of all ages were required to defend the nation. Consequently, a variety of citizens are represented in this statue. This includes a naked youth, eager to march off and fight, even though he's ill-prepared for the trials ahead. It also includes a bearded soldier to the left, an older gentleman perhaps attempting to convey some wisdom to the inexperienced soldier. I would wager it's something critical, like not attacking if your enemy has the high ground, but I can't know for sure. Joining these figures are other men from across France. They are all preparing for battle and rallying for the nation's defence. Interestingly, this symbolic representation of the departure of the volunteers would have had some personal resonance for the artist who made this amazing statue. This Magnificent work was created by Francois Ruder. When Ruder was eight years old, his father joined the volunteer army to defend the French nation. Thus, while he was too young to fight for France, Ruder had a very personal connection to the events depicted here. Before we move on, there is one final interesting thing to note about this statue. You may have noticed that despite representing events in 1792, everyone is dressed like it was ancient times. This is deliberate. The absence of modern arms and uniforms represents the fact that the struggle for liberty and freedom is universal and is one that cuts across both cultures and centuries. Having completed the two major statues on the eastern face, We'll now cover the battles engraved above these statues. So don't go anywhere, and I look forward to seeing you in Chapter 5. If you're enjoying this tour, 
please leave a review on TripAdvisor, Get Your Guide, or wherever you purchased your audio tour. As always, thank you for traveling with Curious Cat, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Don't forget to check out our other tours in Paris, France, and the rest of Europe. Meow.